Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 66, where we're talking to Elysia and Sandy. Stay tuned as we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right. So, Alicia, who are you? <laughs> good question. Um, <laughs> uh, so, my name is Alicia Payne. I am a sex, love, and relationship coach. And my specialty is non-monogamy and polyamory. How fun. Uh, how do you identify? I use she, her pronouns, a cisgender, queer, polyamorous, um, what else? <laughs> Mom, wife, girlfriend. <laughs> and Alicia, what does polyamory mean to you? What does polyamory mean to me? For me, it is the freedom to be really authentic in my love, right? To like love who I love and... Um, be able to express that without feeling any shame. And what drew you to polyamory? <laughs> uh, that's great. I was actually previously married monogamously for 13 years. Um, and prior to that, I was like a serial monogamist, right? And when I got divorced, I made a pretty clear decision that I was not going to be monogamous again, but I didn't know what that looked like. I had no exposure to polyamory. I just kind of thought, cool, I'm just going to be a slut for the rest of my life. And I'll just let people know that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Like, like I'm not going to marry you. Um, and then I met my current husband who I did marry and he was uh, polyamorous and had uh, multiple partners and was like, you know, you, you can do more than just be a slut. Like you, you can have everything. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a slut and have long-term relationships. Yes, yes, totally. <laughs> totally relatable. I had a similar post-divorce reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing this? <laughs> I want to fuck lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Yep. <laughs> um, so what, if anything, do you find difficult about polyamory or ethical non-monogamy? Mm. I mean, I feel like the things that are difficult are the same things that are difficult in any relationship, <laughs> you know, uh, relationship stuff, just what makes it difficult being non-monogamous is that it's just multiplied. You have to deal with that stuff with multiple people. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, when did you know that you were poly? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I think when I started down this path, like when I decided that I wasn't going to be monogamous, I didn't think I was polyamorous, but the more I look, like when I tell stories then about my relationships and things that have happened in my life, I go, oh yeah, maybe I've been poly all along. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when, if ever, have you felt different or did you at some point feel different from other folks? Always. <laughs> Freaking always. <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, from like early, early exploration in sex and, and relationships, I definitely felt like an outlier. I just didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I didn't know why. Like, why, why am I different? I maybe who knows? Like, <laughs> but actually, I think 
I mean, I was 35 when I started down this path. So at that point, it was like, it just felt super easy because I just didn't really care anymore what people thought, you know? (laughs) So like, I knew I was different, but the more open I was about how I live my life and how I operate in the world, the more people would just kind of show up in my sphere that, that I did relate to, you know, or that, that felt drawn to, to what I was doing. And so I felt less and less weird because more and more of my people showed up. (laughs) That is awesome. Um, Where would you say that you are in your poly journey? (sighs) Where am I in my poly journey? What do you mean? Well, so you've mentioned that you're married. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times people, especially when we interview people maybe who are newer to polyamory or newer to ethical non-monogamy, they may have, um, you know, not be in all of the relationships that they would like to be. Or sometimes we interview people who are like, I am so right where I want to be. My polysaturation point is two. Uh, (laughs) I was an earlier episode of Sandy's before we were a couple. Uh (laughs) Turned out I was wrong. (laughs) So, um, you know, people have different places that they identify in that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, So I I feel so I have have three long term partners, two that live with me. And then another partner's partner who also lives with me. Um, <laughs> and I feel like I am, I, I don't know that, I, I think I'm saturated. I really don't know. Like, I definitely want to fuck more people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's always a thing. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, I'm in a good place for sure. <laughs> Well, do you have any like poly goals or, uh, you know, aspirations or things that you're looking forward to in the future with your poly journey? Oh, uh, poly goals. You know, I really just try to like, like I have definitely never set out with a, a, like a place in mind that I was going other than just feeling good. Right. Like, (laughs) like going, like, like I, I just like to flow with what feels right, rather than trying to create a, you know, trying to create relationships before there are even relationships or trying to decide what things are going to be before they're anything, you know? Um, So I feel like while I'm open to, you know, more relationships or more partners or different arrangements, um, I don't have any specific place that I want to go. Yeah. All right. Um, why would you say that you are poly? Hmm. Why am I poly? Uh, I genuinely can't imagine being any, I, like, like I can't imagine going back, right? Like closing Pandora's box. Like <laughs> I now know that you can have all the things and that you can have like multiple deep connections and multiple uh, relationships that, that are really fulfilling. And I can't imagine like, like going back and going and, and not having that available to me, like just choosing not to have that. <laughs> yeah. And why did you agree to be interviewed? Hmm. Uh, honestly, I have been saying yes to just about everything lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am right now I'm in the middle of launching a, a course, an online course uh, all about group sex 
And so I would, I want more and more people to know about it, right? Like I want everyone to know that this thing is available because I haven't seen anything like that. Yeah. And actually the reason why I, I messaged you initially was because you had posted in a, a big polyamory group. I think it was polyamory geekery, uh, the Facebook group. I think pretty so. sure. And it was, you know, if, if you were going to join in a group sex class, what would you want to see in it? And I commented a couple suggestions of my own because it's a, it's a topic dear to my heart as well. Uh, but, uh, but then I was like, oh my God, this would make such a good podcast topic. I want to talk about this. And so I just, my next comment was like, Hey, any interest in uh, being on the podcast? And what was funny was a lot of people liked my comment and I was like, Oh, well, that's cool. I hope they're fans, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so that was really interesting. I'm glad you said yes. Cause I was like, Oh dang, this is a really cool topic. And I think that this as uh, you know, in my mind, I have episode 69 is coming up. I want some sexy content. Uh, I thought, Oh, this will be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that actually blew my mind. I posted, I was, I was scared to post that in a, in, I, I posted in a couple of groups, but I was scared to, to post that I was worried that like, I don't know, I would get flamed for some, for some reason. <laughs> and instead there were like, I don't know, 375 responses or something ridiculous. I was like, right. Oh, okay. This is a thing people really want to know about. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I think, and we can talk about this obviously in the topic, but there is like a, a stigma against associating polyamory with strictly sexual things. And so, and, you know, even, you know, people will say it's not about the sex. It's not about the sex. And, and there are so many people in the poly community that are like, but what about the sex though? I want, I want to know about the sex, you know, like, I don't want to just talk about yeah, it. I want to have it. Sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think it's important to talk about the sex too, even if it's not everything, but yeah. it's, it's a big part. It's a big part of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's, and, and stigma, I think is a big, is a big part of it. So we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but yeah, we can take a short break real quick and we'll be right back. interested in more polyamory uncensored content you're in luck we just started a blog polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com we're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews and guest posts from authors like you if you'd like to be a guest author contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com and you might be able to see your work up on our website Again, that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com, and we're going to have some fun, new, poly-related content for you. Thanks. See you there. All right. Welcome back. We're with Alicia today to talk about group sex. But just to let folks know, if you want to uh, fill people in on why Sandy is here, Katie, in case people are listening and they're not listening uh, while there is a snowstorm going on. <laughs> So we have 10 inches of snow today and uh, my partner, Sandy, spent the night last night <laughs> and we were unable to successfully dig her car out of the driveway before it was time to record this podcast. Um, however, since Sandy and I uh, count from our anniversary uh, meeting at a play party, I mean, we knew each other before, <laughs> but playing at a play party, um, it seemed perfect to invite her to uh, join us for this topic. Awesome. And I love the idea of a group talking about group sex. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um, so just to get us get us a little started on what we're going to be talking about today. What do you consider group sex to be? Mm, I would think any anything more than two people having sex. 
period. Okay. <laughs> cool. I mean, I, I mean, guess that it makes could sense. be two people having sex, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on your mindset. We were talking about this yesterday. Like sex is all about intention. Yeah. <laughs> what if you're having sex over a Zoom chat? <laughs> is that group? Mm. Kind of. Yeah. I have done that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. I attended a, yeah. I attended a virtual play party and it was super fun. Wow. Mm-hmm. Please talk more about that. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I think there were 16 cameras on. So like Zoom attendees mm-hmm. and some of them were individuals. Some of them, most of them were couples. And then there were three of us. And it, it was like, you know, it was like, it started out with um, some like sensual dancing just to, you know, get everyone comfortable. And then, um, and then they had a, a burlesque performer and then the hosts led a, they, they gave a demonstration of a penis massage and then everyone just kind of started playing and people could like, just, you know, they could voyeur, they could exhibition, whatever felt good. It was really cool. I'm taking notes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. That's such a good idea. I've been too afraid because I'm worried that like Zoom might catch on somehow, but so many people are using Zoom at the moment. I can't imagine them actually monitoring anything. So yeah. it's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really considering hosting something like that. I think it would be super fun. <laughs> That's sounds- awesome. Yeah, it does. So how did you get into group sex or even just like what sparked that interest in you? I imagine as soon as you joined uh, like a polyamorous relationship, that wasn't the first thing on the docket, but I don't know, you know, or maybe it was something that you did when you were monogamous as well. It does sound very monogamous. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, actually my, uh, my very first group sex uh, experience was not good. And it was when I was, I I think I was 17 or 18 with a long-term boyfriend and we invited a friend over and, you know, and we had built up this idea that it was going to be this really sexy thing. Right. And I, I was, I was kind of bi-curious, like, I think I'm attracted to girls. I'm not really sure. Like this could be fun. Um, and it was terrible. All of the feelings, all of the emotions, all of the, oh my God, she's better than me. He's paying more attention to her than me. She's, you know, like I mm-hmm. it was the first pussy I had ever seen live and it was so different from mine I was like oh my like all of the insecurities right and then I like I was on my period and there was weirdness around that like it was just not good and so after that I was like I'm definitely straight which by the way I'm not (laughs) I was like I'm definitely straight and I do not share no way no how I'm jealous I'm possessive there's no way I'm ever going to do something like this again (laughs) <laughs> and, and now you're teaching a course on it. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So fast forward, you know, like I think what's that 15, 16, 17 years or something. Um, and I, I get divorced and I decide I'm not going to be monogamous again. And I'm like, you know, again, I was dating people and they're like, oh, I, the, you know, the kind of the every man's fantasy is to have a threesome with two women. Right. And I was like, no, mm-mm, I'm not into that. I don't share. I'm straight. Um and then I started hanging out with a friend of mine and she was like, oh, you know, I'd love to try a threesome. And uh, my husband now, when we were dating and, and he had a lot of experience with this and was like, you know, we can talk about all of these things and we can talk about all of these things before anybody's naked, right? Like before it's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> <In> your words. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Um, and so we had uh, several really lovely experiences with her and, um, and then with other people. And then, uh, and then I, I Googled sex clubs. I had no, no exposure to anything like that. Right. <clears throat> so I Googled sex clubs and found a local swingers club and was like, let's, like, let's go to a swingers club. <laughs> and um, we did that and started becoming um, like involved in a community of non-monogamous people and realizing like how widespread that is and how common it actually is. And that really kind of opened, opened my mind to like what all of the different possibilities are. Yeah. So you talking about how your first experience was not good. And, and that reminded me, I was like, what was my first experience? And I was like, oh my gosh, my first like four probably weren't good, right? Like my first a handful of them were not great. Yeah. And uh, I, but then it just made me think like, what makes a good group sex? What makes a bad group sex experience? You know, what, what, what does that? Yeah. Well, I definitely think your point about, you know, the non-communication that you had as a young person is a huge, like, you know, increases the probability that it's going to be a terrible experience for everybody. My first experience, similar age, um, back of a car and same kind of things, like all those awkward and uncomfortable feelings. And um, she and I were actually not going to play together at all, but we were sort of both into this guy. And then after the fact, and like, I never thought of it as a threesome because she and I didn't touch each other. And he then, of course, you know, as a high school boy was like, <laughs> like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> yeah and i would say our uh, my first experience was was like borderline not consensual you know like it was my partner and i were making out and my girlfriend was there and i was like hey is this okay and she was just like i guess you know sure but she wanted nothing to do you know she was a lesbian she wanted nothing to do with my boyfriend and uh and it escalated in in a way that she wasn't involved but she was there right and i was like oh no, that was, you know, in a way that was group sex. That was like, she was involved. She was there in the scene, but she didn't want to be there. You know, she probably had no intention of like being involved in that uh, situation, but I was 20 at the time, you know, young and dumb. We were young and dumb. So yeah, it's, uh, and I was like, I think back to that and I was like, oh, gross. What the fuck are we thinking? (laughs) But, uh, you know, from those experiences, you learn, like, you got to communicate about that stuff. Don't do that kind of stuff when you're drunk, you know, <laughs> like, don't make rash decisions about group sex. That kind of stuff should be talked about. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, there's this sort of myth that talking about it isn't hot, but talking about it's incredibly hot. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes talking about it is so hot that you never actually do it because it's hotter to just talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> I almost feel bad saying it, but my first group sex experience was actually really great. Um, <laughs> but one reason, it, it was pretty spontaneous. So there wasn't really talking about it in advance, but there was a lot of talking throughout. Like there mm, were mm-hmm. check-ins of like, is this good? Do you want anything to change? How is this? Because I just can't help myself from talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And yeah, communicating made a huge difference. But yeah. were you young and dumb? 
or was no. it somewhat recently? Yeah. It's so I feel like that's going to be a different like 29 or 30 or something like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maturity helps. <laughs> yes. Yes. And experience obviously helps because now having had, you know, I've been in a relationship where I was kind of the unicorn uh, and in that dynamic, which I doesn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend a dynamic where the only kind of sex you can have with your partner is group sex, which was like a rule they had. So every single time I had sex with my partner, it was group sex because I was also dating his wife, you know, like we were all, and, and that dissolved in different ways, right. Over time. But like all of our sex was a threesome. And then I got really used to threesomes and group sex scenarios, but um, yeah, they were touching like hit or miss, right. There were some great, awesome experiences and there were some horrible experiences, which I don't recommend, you know? And so like, it definitely got me to understand people's body language and does somebody feel seem like they're not excited and enthusiastically consenting to the scenario do they seem like they're there because they feel like they're out of obligation does someone you know future like down the road it also made me wonder like is this person even bisexual does this woman want to be here you know is she attracted to both of us or just you know her partner you know so those are all questions that you kind of have to know people. You gotta, you gotta get to know people before you can really uh, have a have a good time, or not. You know, sometimes you're gonna meet somebody at a play party, or you're gonna meet a group of people at a play party, and that's that's great. You know, right. potentially. I think that's a really good point. That um, it it I feel like there needs to be something set up or or an expectation set up that it's okay to like take a break and bow out if you aren't feeling it. For sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm going to go get water for everyone or, well, you know, whatever it is, like, it has to be okay to like take a break and go regulate your system or whatever it is you need to do, mm-hmm. which is will, really hard in situations like, like you had. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Taking a break might, um, at the time, especially with like insecurities, uh, and all that might've seemed like, uh, I don't know, like, like a diss or something like, I don't want to be involved in this, you know, so you guys have fun. I'm going to go make a sandwich or something, which could be, you know, their version of self-care, right? We should allow people to take breaks and, and, and stop and say, you know, hold on and let's chat for a moment. So, you know, giving people that room is super important. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will also say though, that one of my other like very first play party and like group sex experiences was for someone else's birthday party. And it was this guy who I was sort of seeing and it was his birthday. And then he invited a bunch of women and some of their partners, uh, not all of them brought partners along. So definitely more women in at the party than men. And at one point, kind of everyone was on this guy, which was pretty great, right? <laughs> for him. I mean, for a lot of people, it was great. So it was a fun experience. Uh, and uh, as kind of someone who is maybe more of a like, I like to like services, my acts of service is my love language that I like to give as well. So I'm like, I am all about this. This is your night. This is great. This is going to be a lot of fun for you. I would like to be of service. But at some point in the night, uh, when I'm like making out with this guy, someone else was grabbing my boobs. And it wasn't him. It was a random guy at the party who I had never had a conversation with, who I did not like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and who um, who absolutely had no consent conversation with me about touching my body. And I didn't want to ruin the evening, so I just kind of moved to the other side of this guy, away from boob grabber guy. And he was so pissed about that that he left the party. 
Needless to Good. say, he, he was no longer invited to any party ever again, because, uh, yeah, that is unacceptable behavior. Uh, but yeah, in a really kind of like a play party group situation, there are real etiquette issues that you have to know before going into it. And I'd love to go into like, no, no, no touching without consent is like uh, obvious, but apparently not to some right. folks. Uh, but don't touch. Party is not a statement of blanket consent. Exactly. Yes. There is no blanket consent at a play party. Yeah. It's you have to have consent when it comes to touching, especially someone's tits, <laughs> especially someone's body, just body in general. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. What are some other good etiquette issues for people who are thinking about group sex, but not haven't ever had it, haven't ever done it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, consent is obvious. You know, you're right. It's not obvious to a lot of people, especially people who, um, who generally feel entitled to whatever they want. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of times those people don't even know that they're, they're crossing boundaries because nobody ever says anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, enthusiastic. Yes. From anybody that you're touching. <laughs> Super yeah. essential. Um, what are other etiquette things? I mean, just, yeah. Having conversations around uh, who wants what, right? Like, like who wants to sit on faces? Who wants to sit on dicks? Who (laughs) wants to be penetrated? Who does not want to be penetrated? Um, you know, I, I have a partner who enjoys group sex scenarios, but she's very clear that she wants no penetration in those scenarios. And it makes it, 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 for her completely eliminates any anxiety or stress. She can just give and she can receive a little bit of pleasure, but she doesn't have to worry about, um, you know, she easily gets yeast infections. And, and so she doesn't have to worry about any of that. Right. Because she's established up front. Like nobody puts anything in me. Yeah. Cool. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, you know, some of the parties that I've been at, you know, there's usually like a sort of a check-in at the beginning and, you know, you sort of everybody, you know, maybe says what they're hoping to have happen, or if there's hard limits around something that they absolutely don't want to do. Like that's sort of the, baseline of communication. And again, it's not like a blanket consent, but at least, you know, if somebody says, I really want to play with my hands and I think, Ooh, I would like them to play with my hand, their their hands on me. Like I can then go approach them after things kind of break up from the big group and say, I understand you'd like to play with your hands. (laughs) Yeah. I actually just wrote that down. Welcome circles and welcome chats are so important because you can say, Hey, I'm only here to play with my established partner. I'm, you know, I'm interested in voyeurism. I really love chatting with people at the cheese table, which is, maybe that's a Wisconsin play party thing. I don't know. (laughs) Do do they all have cheese platter plat? I I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) We get it. We do. <laughs> we do in Wisconsin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there are definitely people who will go to play parties and say, like, I'm not interested in sex or I'm not like, I'm not interested in having penetrative intercourse or something um, or only with my partner who I who I came with. Uh, or, yeah, I'm only interested in getting a massage tonight. Who wants to give me a massage? And honestly, you'd be surprised at how many people would be like, oh, I want to give you a massage. Five people want to give you a massage at the same time, you know? Like, so, um, so that, yeah, I know. Right. Like, it's great. <laughs> Although I have, I have had that happen and it was kind of overwhelming because there were like five different intensities of massage happening in your body. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, my brain is not really uh, like allowing this to happen. <laughs> allowing I'm joy such to a happen. sensation slut. That would be amazing. <laughs> 
It would be overwhelming in a good way, I think. (laughs) In fact, Lindsay, I think I've never thought that I really wanted to have a massage at a play party because it sort of seemed like, yeah, but orgasms. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) You know, another piece of that that I think is really important is to establish a like an awareness or a container where it's okay to bring up a new boundary, mm-hmm. right? Like it's okay, like in the middle of play to say, you know what, that's, I, I just changed my mind. There's another thing I don't want. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like to let it be known that it's okay to do that. Because I think a lot of people don't speak up because they don't feel safe to. Well, and it's so, um, it's so interesting because I feel like there, this is, you know, that, um, that saying like your eyes are bigger than your mouth. You know, like sometimes you have fantasies about group sex or, or play dynamics in general, and you think I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then you get there and you're like, oh, that's too big. (laughs) Or, you know, (laughs) like that's too overwhelming. This is too much. Like in my head, this was super, super hot. And this is a great fantasy, but in reality, my body has limits and I'm not able to do any of this. You know, I want to have sex from the rafters but I don't have good flexibility or something, you know, like, like it's not going to work. Uh, so I think that kind of coming to terms with the fact that your fantasies may not live up to the reality of like your own and your partners and your partners, other partners limitations, you know, your body has limitations and, and those, they can sometimes be disappointing in the moment, but like maybe don't have as many expectations when you go into group sex because there are a lot of things we can't do that porn stars can <laughs> a lot. Yeah. They're professionals. Yes, exactly. It's they like get a, lots of practice. Yeah. yeah. Training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, watching the fast and the furious and thinking that you're going to be able to drive like that. No, those are professional drivers. You got to like, let them do their job. And, and you do often driving modified cars that you can't necessarily <laughs> tell that they're a modified car. Right. Watching the movie because of the magic of movies. <laughs> There's a lot of things that they don't show, like filling the car up with gas. Uh, you don't get to see that, you know, <laughs> adversely, you don't get to see lube used in porn very often. And I think that's such a shame because lube is incredibly important. I can never say enough good things about lube and you need it to have really good sex for an extended period of time. Right. Uh, there's actually something that I know some people will do at their play parties is have like a lube fairy. If there's someone who doesn't want to be involved in sexual activity, but they want to be there and they want to be involved and they're like a service service sub or a bottom or something like that, they can just go around and be like, would you like some lube? <laughs> you know, like have a little, maybe a little cart. Yeah. A little squirter. Yeah. Um, so if you're lube interested in that. Condoms. Yes. Yeah. The lube and protection fairy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've definitely done that for small periods of time before. <laughs> then you've gotten distracted and, and then, having sex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think 15 minute shifts of being the lube fairy. <laughs> right, right. Fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's definitely not enough awareness that it's not all porn sex for hours right? That you like, you need water and you need breaks and you got to pee and all the, like all of the bodily things still have to happen. <laughs> you were talking about having your period the first time that you had uh, like a sexual yeah. experience with group sex that happens. So, you know, so when I think about the month, at least 25% of the people who might be coming to a play party during one week of each month, right, is probably going to be on their period. And if you are hosting a play party, it's really nice to have 
maybe something like a like a waterproof blanket or or even you know we'll take puppy pads sometimes you know like something mm-hmm. to cover up a bed and make sure that it's protected but you know knowing that ahead of time not even for yourself but maybe for someone else maybe for other people at the party and kind of accommodating them to make it a more inclusive space because you don't want to exclude 25% or more of the community every time you host a party and at any point people can be in their period and you don't you don't see that in porn you don't see that in you don't think about that in your fantasies unless you have a fetish about blood which you know that's cool too (laughs) but uh but you like yeah you just don't think about it and then it's a reality of what happens there's so much i think you learn obviously as you go but there's a lot of realities that people don't consider when they're just like i want to have a threesome or i want to go to a play party a lot yeah yeah. Yeah. These are real people. <laughs> right. Real human bodies. <laughs> yeah. I like to, uh, we have a, you know, a pegging class at the tool shed that I help teach. And it's so interesting talking about like the idea that like shit happens, you know, with like anal sex and, and the potential of like trace amounts of poop being involved in sex and people get so wigged out. And I'm like, you're a human being. Stop worrying about it. <laughs> Just stop worrying about it. Yeah, if you're um, going to put something in your butt, you're going to touch poop. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> yes, it's a, it is a thing that happens. Uh, but with play parties, there's a lot of things that can happen. A lot of things that are bodies do and again just going back to like our limitations they might just be that you get super tired or you get a leg cramp oh my god leg cramps are really going to ruin a fucking scene you know like um but there's a lot of things you 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 won't know or won't think about until you're in it and you're like oh oh man i am a real body and they are too (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and even things like just feeling, uh, you know, emotions, right? Like all the emotions that can happen that mm, you, you may not mm-hmm. expect, like feeling left out or, or having insecurities pop up. And so I try to, I always try to remind people that like, you can kind of reach out. Like, like one thing I always tell, especially when I'm talking to people who are new to group sex scenarios and they're like, you know, what if I feel left out? Yeah. Just reach out a hand and like touch a partner or someone that you're, you're familiar with. And it just lets them know like, oh, you're here too. And they're probably just going to pull you right in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also would suggest involving a couple toys. And maybe this is because I'm super mm. biased because I work at a sex toy store, but like a toy, <laughs> like a good, a, a well-placed Hitachi can act like a fourth partner, right? <laughs> you know? yes. Like, like uh, if you have toys involved, no one has to be left out because they could be playing or, you know, again, like if it com- if a person with a penis is just going to be, you know, like stroking themselves while other people are playing, that's also totally valid. Um, and it can be if, if say you're in a like two guys in a girl situation, MFM, whatever, threesome, um, that could be super overwhelming if the woman in question is doing a lot and or having a lot done to her at once. And so if you get easily overwhelmed, that fantasy of, say, being with two guys at once could be really, really awesome. And then in the heat of the moment, you're like, holy fuck, this is so much sensation. I can't focus on anything. I'm never going to come, you know, <laughs> it's going to be too hard. <laughs> so, like, you know, having having some other options and other maybe toys or other things to do uh, is always a good game plan. Because, yeah, in the heat of the moment, you might be really overwhelmed or you might have a lot of emotional feelings about things that you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Completely. One of the things I was thinking about when we started talking about this was um, often at the early part of the play party, 
people are still feeling a little shy or a little not quite sure how to get things started. And there tends to be like in the community that we're in, things often don't get really going until pretty late <laughs> because people are more comfortable standing around the cheese board. <laughs> and that might be a purely like Milwaukee community's small town. I mean, we're not a small town, but you know, like small town community poly thing, because I have gone to a swingers specific party in Chicago and they were like, welcome circle fucking like, immediate. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, I'm not used to this, you know? So I, so it took me aback, but also I feel like we have poly play parties and they are different than swinger parties. Like they have a little bit of a line there and, and like, you know, we can talk about the stigma that comes with having things be all about sex. I do think that a lot of poly folks are like, we're all about love. We're all about romantic connection. It's not about the sex, but the sexual component is is still really important. And then when you think about swinging connection, they're like, we're all about sex. We're all about sensual connection and, you know, friendship too. But maybe the romance is like secondary or back burner. So it kind of makes sense that they would maybe be a little bit more quick to uh, to the, the sexual activity than us poly folks. But yeah, I, I, if we want to go into the stigma, like why are poly folks sometimes, though, like you were saying on your Facebook post, you got like 300 <laughs> comments. Why are poly folks sometimes afraid of, of seeming sexual? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely, you know, there's, there's, it's really important to normalize non-monogamy uh, and polyamory is probably a more palatable uh, form of non-monogamy to our essentially monogamous society, our culture is primarily monogamous. And so polyamory, the idea like, oh, that's that's a normal relationship. There's just more people, but it still, you know, has all of the uh, trappings of our normal relationships. <laughs> um, I think for a lot of people, it, it, they worry that, um, that a lot of monogamous folks are worried that non-monogamous folks are going to try to take their partners or are, are going to, I don't know, ruin the sanctity of marriage um, right. just by existing. And, <laughs> um, and, and nobody, nobody wants to, to be associated with that. Like, right. It's this idea that, that there's going to be a bunch of, uh, uh, I don't know, underhanded things going on or something. Mm -hmm. And, and there's this idea that like sex is, is shameful and underhanded and, <laughs> and, and dark and a thing we shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about the class that you are planning on teaching? Oh yes. Yes. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. I love this so much. I haven't seen anything like this and I've been talking about it for years. It's in my mind. It has been group sex choreography Ooh. for about four years. This has been brewing. Yeah. Group sex choreography. Okay. What a good um, name. <laughs> I love that. Right. Yeah. But then I went, shit, I need a name. That's not going to get me kicked off of social media. So, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> So uh, I present to you getting it on in a group, intentional threesomes, foursomes, and moresomes. 
Yeah. No, no terms that are going to get flagged by the bots. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I was saying before we were recording, I was talking about the, the class I hosted for the tool shed last night about like penis pleasure. And it was, it took me so long to figure out a good name. And I came up with the whole package. <laughs> penis love and it. Prostate pleasure. Yeah. Because that has ostensibly nothing to do with penises or sex, but uh, when you know, you know, you know, and of course we made like an eggplant emoji or picture. So <laughs> it was a little yep. bit clear, but yeah, yeah. The, I do like choreography though. That's a really cute t- way to call like positioning. Yeah. It's really, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And so the idea here is um, there's so much more that goes into group sex than just the sex right? Like, like dyad sex to two people, it's very organic and natural. It's pretty clear who the center of your attention is going to be. It's pretty clear uh, where the, the feel good spots are like, like there, there's a lot that just comes really natural. And then when you start adding more people, more limbs, more genitals, that, that becomes a little less natural and a, and a little more thought has to go into it. Um, and so, so a part of it is, exactly that the choreography right like what are some what are some uh uh, like what are the positions i can have in my back pocket that i i have ready in my head so i'm not sitting there going uh i don't know where do do i go where do i fit yeah (laughs) where do i go where do i fit into this puzzle because i have no idea like you know (laughs) eyes wide deer in a headlight situation we want to avoid those because that's not fun (laughs) but even before that is is a lot of mindset work right? Like, what are my fears? What am I scared of? What do I want out of the situation? Why am I going into the situation? Why is anybody else who shows up here? Why are they doing it? What are their motivations? What do they want? What do they not want? Um, how do we have those conversations? How are we comfortable and create a safe space for those situations? Um, uh, what, what kind of uh, like mindset work do I need to do to uh, uh, help get over the the judgment that I might have around it, any shame I might have around it. Um, you know, for a lot of people, they it's a fantasy and purely a fantasy that they've gotten from porn or, or for, you know, uh, whatever their exposure is and is often a, feels like a shameful thing for them, right? Like this is a fantasy I have, but like, I don't think anybody else has this fantasy. <laughs> Surprise, a lot of people do. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so like who, who does it? Why do they do it? When are they doing it? Where are they doing it? How are they doing it? And putting that all together, uh, along with a, I, I'm doing, it's a, the course is four weeks oh. all online. Um, I have some video modules and some worksheets and some, some conversation starters and some practical things, but I'm also doing this first time I do this, I'm including four weekly uh like q a live coaching calls with it as well so that people can actually come and like ask their questions and and talk through all the things so it sounds like this would be really good for somebody who's interested in group sex but doesn't have experience do you think it's also good for folks who have done it and maybe always want to learn more i may be talking about myself (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah yeah um i think that there's always something to learn And everybody comes from like their own lane of experience, right? Like I've had these experiences, but not those experiences. And so there's always something to learn. Yeah, totally. Oh, and safety. 
talking a lot about safety and consent and and how many times you need to change your damn condom. <laughs> oh God. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I talked a lot about like safety and testing and protection and stuff. Um, do you, do you cover it all? Or like last night when I was doing my class, I was talking about that in general, but do you cover it all? Uh, read Mahalko's elevator speech or do you know of it? I don't. Um, so I just think it's really, it's a, it's a good um, intro to like, if you're going to a play party, again, like, we're talking a lot about play parties, but that's not obviously what all group sex is only, they don't only have, it doesn't only happen at play parties. Right. But uh, read Mahalko um, and you can find it on read about sex, read R E I D um, dot com. But his elevator speech is like seven or eight things that, you know, if you practice it, you're going to, you're going to be able to say it pretty quickly in the span of an elevator ride. Right. Um, of like, you know, what you're interested in the last time you were tested, what your results were, uh, what you're hoping to get out of this evening of like at a party, let's say, or at a dungeon or something, uh, what you definitely don't want. Uh, and if like you have some hard limits and then kind of ending all of that uh, with, and how about you? Like then, you know, like practicing that over and over again, if you're planning on going to play party situation, it's really handy to have just like, I know exactly when the last time I was tested, I know what my results were. I know what I'm interested in tonight or not interested in. And, and then relaying that information in such a way that it really opens up the space for whoever you're talking to, to be like, oh, I can feel comfortable talking about, you know, yeah, I was tested at this point, I am interested in this. I think what you're talking about sounds like a really fun, a good idea, you know, whatever. I'm interested in that too. Uh, and, and it's, it's really cool. So yeah, I definitely recommend read about sex, read Mahalko and his elevator speech. It's, it's a great tool. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, and there is really is something about creating, creating like a, a sense of safety with, you know, somebody that you're going to fuck, yeah. right? <laughs> but yeah. like feeling safe to share the things that are on your mind and the things that are important to you. Right. Well, and normalizing those kinds of conversations in that matter of fact, elevator speech kind of way seems yeah. like a really good way of modeling, creating that safe space or starting to build that safe space. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. In your right. class about for people who are looking to have this experience and don't really know where to start looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, what I have noticed, I've noticed a big influx of people in the like polyamory community spaces that are, you know, polyamory has kind of become a big like like tag word, right? That people kind of um, conflate with with all of ethical non-monogamy, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people, while what they're looking for is a sexual experience, um, are going into spaces where people are looking for maybe uh, more intimate, deeper relationships. And so, so that is definitely one of the things I'm going to cover is the places you can go to look for a sexual experience, right? Um, be it rather than uh, a, a love dating website, uh, going to a swingers website or, <laughs> or, I mean, you know, in, in uh, non-COVID times, uh, clubs and parties that might be more accessible for that kind of situation. And I think it's really it is kind of different depending on where you live. I know you said you're near Seattle and I'm sure that always seems like 
to me anyways, and I've never been to Seattle, but like poly heaven, right? It's where people go <laughs> when they're poly and they want a poly community and they want a really accepting atmosphere. And I actually know a couple of monogamous people who live in Seattle who are like, I can't date because everyone's poly and I hate it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, and I imagine, you know, sex clubs and things like that are actually a thing there and they're really not in Wisconsin. There's there aren't right. any. So uh, house play parties and like setting up your kind of your own thing uh, is is really essential because it's you can't really unless you go out of state, which is uh, an option for some folks. You can go to Chicago or somewhere else. Uh, yeah, they, we don't have like dungeons or play party spaces or like public venues for uh, sexual ex exploration here, which is unfortunate. So it really does kind of depend on where you live. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty lucky in that way, I think. <laughs> you know, but I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. Right? Oh, like yeah. I didn't yeah. know that until I searched for it. Like I I didn't think that though like that was like a movie thing. Right. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like a sex club? Those exist? <laughs> I mean, maybe in New York City. Yeah. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there is kind of a lot of like uh, preliminary research you have to do if you're interested in doing in, in interested in this especially in like a, a public realm because the other option is to like invite a friend a consenting friend over right like you know like there's a real mm -hmm. small time version of group sex and then a real big time version of group yeah. sex yeah yeah but that's yeah, interesting I, too because you know you don't necessarily know which of your friends might be open to that or be weirded out by it and people don't want to risk messing up their friendships and you know it's not to say that you can't have those kinds of communications but they feel higher risk in some for way. sure yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i, I, I think that is friends <laughs> yeah, I, I think I usually recommend people go to a, um, you know, either like like Cassidy or Swing Lifestyle, some sort of website that is set up to where people can specifically say, like, I'm looking for threesomes or I'm looking mm -hmm. for foursomes or we're looking for another couple to play with without it being like, um, you know, it, it's, it's like the, the right container for that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah um field is actually a really good yeah. app for that as well it is like specifically yeah. for threesomes or you know like um open swinging uh, that kind of situations and then hashtag open is a newer app but they're also like open based right like they, they have yeah. a lot of options when it comes to different kinds of like open relationships or uh configurations so yeah both of those i'd like to suggest if people are into apps as opposed to like websites yeah mm-hmm is there anything else that we should know about your class oh yeah promote yourself please uh if you if you have any links i can always i, I can post them when we podcast but yeah please promote yourself how do people find you yeah yeah absolutely so um aliciapain.com is my website and i am doing uh the first week uh, the cart's opening for this course tomorrow and for the first week i'm doing 50 percent off um uh, because i want as many people as possible to get in on it um, when does I that think end? Since we're not recording this the day the episode goes up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that'll be February. So uh, the the course opens February fourteenth, Valentine's Day. What a, yeah. what a great gift to give yourself or your partner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm doing half off until February tenth. Um, and so that's on my website, aliciapain.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, and um, you can put the links on there. I I provide a ton of free content. Um, I'm, I'm, I have uh, a video series on my website on creating safety and non-monogamy. 
what else? I think that's all the things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any other classes in, in the year you have ideas about in the future? Are you focusing on group sex for now? Uh, right now I'm focusing on group sex. I also do one-to-one, one-to-two coaching. I, I coach couples, I coach uh, triads, I coach individuals on, um, you know, who are opening their relationships, who ha- have open relationships or who are polyamorous um, around um, just building a really deep, deep connection and a really deep sense of safety from which to uh, explore and, and have adventures from to feel really secure and um, like securely attached to yourself kind of thing. And I am going to be probably this summer launching um, a course that teaches uh, tantric massage for partners. Cool. Awesome. uh, Penis and vagina massage. Um, Yeah. And there was actually a book I wanted to shout out because, and I just heard about it on another podcast by Stella Harris. And I, I'm just going to try to find it right now because it's brand new. Like, Cleus Press just uh, just published it, um, but I, I heard her talking about it on a podcast, and I'm pretty sure it's the Expert Guide to Threesomes. So, That's and it, cool. like I said, I'm pretty sure it just came out. If people are interested in a book form of of information, Stella Harris was actually somebody that I uh, roomed with at Catalyst Con, which is which is a big like sex positive education uh, convention in LA. Uh, it's the only time I've ever been to California, and I literally went to from the airport, shuttled to the uh, the hotel, went to the conference, and then the airport and back. So unfortunately, didn't really get to to explore, but it was a really fun conference, and I got to room with this woman who I'd never met before, who I'd never heard of, and now she's like writing awesome books about like poly and sex content, and I was like, oh, I know her, <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, yeah, so Stella Harris, expert guide to threesomes, I want to say is what it's called. I'm almost positive, but I can also link to that. That seems like a really fun book. Um, well, thank you so much for coming today. I know we had to reschedule a bunch of times because of weather and stuff, but uh, <laughs> that is the life of a Midwestern podcaster. <laughs> yeah, really, this was a really fun episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the class sounds like it's going to be uh, very interesting. Thank you. This is a really fun conversation. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Again, super fun. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.